Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was always like, look good, feel better. Now I want you to feel good so you look better. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I usually talk to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. But this week, I'm handing things over to InStyle.com deputy editor Laura Norton. She sat down with the fabulous Stacey London. You met her on What Not to Wear, but these days she's more about what's going on inside. Take a listen. Thank you for tuning in to Ladies First, usually with Laura Brown. I'm InStyle.com Deputy Editor, Laura Norkin, and I'm here today with Stacey London. Hi, thanks for being here. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Laura. I love interchangeable Lauras. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, they just slot us in, you know, as needed. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking on behalf of all Lauras, we're so pleased to have you. So <laughs> the last time we spoke, I got the chance to interview you for a profile sort of about your career and life evolution that has brought you from TLC's What Not to Wear in the early aughts all the way to today. You're now the CEO of a personal care brand aimed at the symptoms of menopause called State Of. I'd like to go a little bit deeper into that evolution aspect today. I was recently listening to an interview with you on Busy Phillips podcast, and something stood out to me that you said about connecting the dots of your life backwards. Well, I can't take credit for that. It was a Steve Jobs quote, but I find it to be incredibly apropos of my life. Yeah. Being at a place in your career where everybody sees you as, you know, a known person and a successful person, but when you take the steps backwards, every single moment maybe didn't feel like it made sense. How did that evolution happen and how did it make sense to you in the moment or did it not make sense and you just went with it anyway? Well, I would say it's a little bit of both, right? I believe very strongly in the idea of evolution. I mean, we are never the same person that we were yesterday. And you know, certainly we're never the same person after seven years since all of your cells rebuild in your bodies. But one of the things that I felt most strongly about is that the kind of programs that I wanted to make on television, I don't really see being made. A lot of what I wanted to do was about middle age and menopause and intergenerational mentorship all of which I think that my generation, Gen X, is doing a lot to put forward into the world. We're certainly not taking aging lying down. And for me, it wasn't that I wanted to be out of style. I love style. But I've spent my life really much more focused, less on style and more on self. And when I say that, I mean self-esteem, self-acceptance, self-awareness, all of which I think we were really able to do quite well on what not to wear by showing people that the way that they look and the way that they carry themselves in the world can actually change the way that they feel about themselves. So it was always like, look good, feel better. Now I want you to feel good so you look better. And both of those things are still incredibly important to me. And the reason that I came to a personal care company that is for people experiencing menopausal symptoms is because I had such a difficult time with menopause and perimenopause and continue to have symptoms. But they were so severe that I really didn't know what was happening to me, nor did I know where to reach out for help. And when um, this 
brand came to me when it was owned by another company, I became a beta tester, one of a hundred women to trial the products and complain about what wasn't right or, you know, what products weren't working for which symptoms and what we thought of the, you know, viscosity of the gel or, or the cream or whatever it was in the packaging and the colors. And when the company decided that they were going to pivot in a different direction towards tech, then I acquired the brand to make it a standalone company because one, I finally felt seen. I felt that these products really did what they said they were going to do. And because I believe that there's a much bigger menopause ecosystem to create. And part of that is I was able to make a change because of my own existential crisis, right? I wanted to make television shows about the same things that this audience and this consumer wants to talk about. And yet I was told by producers and channels and and networks that this wasn't really for TV, that nobody would really watch. And and I was really surprised by that, to be honest. I, I really feel like we are front and center in terms of this emerging conversation being part of the cultural zeitgeist. And so to kind of ignore that felt unacceptable to me. I thought it was so interesting that you said the producers and whoever they were said there wasn't an interest in this. And frankly, one of the reasons we have you on this podcast is because there was huge interest in it. Everyone was like, Stacey London, we love her. But yes, like the things you're saying are being received and people want more of it. I'm starting to see a little bit more interest in menopause or attention paid to the menopause experience in scripted television. You know, I still think there's a way to translate that into an unscripted show that does talk about transformation, but also talks about what that transformation means. It doesn't just mean that we look different, right? I mean, we all have to kind of accept aging. What we want to do about that is up to us. I have absolutely no judgment. I'm like, get the Botox, have the fillers, use the filters on Instagram. But aging does really require more than the idea that you're going to look differently. Really, even starting as early as 39, but certainly in your 40s, your hormones start to fluctuate in a way that makes you feel like you're not you anymore. There's this sense that the old you is gone. And that is a very scary feeling to feel like you look in the mirror and you look different or you feel uncomfortable in your skin. And a lot of the symptoms that happen during perimenopause really confuse us. And one of the things that I read in Scientific American, just to substantiate my claim here, is that you know women to 45 to 54 experience the lowest point of happiness in their life. And I don't think that's by accident. I think that menopause has a lot to do with that. I think we, you know, we prize youth and wealth and thinness in this country more than anything. And we do not value the experience of age and experience and wisdom. Um, And those are things that, you know, we kind of need to reframe. A lot of what we talk about when we talk about aging is directed at women through this kind of patriarchal lens. And we have internalized shame around the topic. And we've internalized a lot of shame about being women, period, right? And I think that starts with everything from your period to pregnancy to issues with infertility or postpartum. And yet we don't get to this topic, partly because, you know, 100 years ago, maybe 200 years ago, you, you know, entered menopause and you died. And now (laughs) we live to be 90 or 100 and our lifespans are getting longer and longer. So the idea that middle age is somehow stigmatized to me makes no sense at all. Something that stood out to me also in our last conversation was 
this dual stigma that it's not just that oh you're not supposed to age your body's not supposed to age but then the sort of gaslighting element of when women experience these symptoms they're told that they're being crazy or they're being emotional or well aren't we always right it's not something that a product would exist for it's not something that a doctor would acknowledge it's just go be hot and sweaty and deal with it yourself Right, exactly. It's menopause. It'll end. And that is the good news. It will end. But yes, this idea that our our concerns and uh, the impacts of the menopause experience are not um, given the kind of care and conversation they deserve, they're really dismissed. And, you know, it's funny, we joke around a little bit on our state of socials that, you know, the hashtag is you're not crazy. And that is not to diminish the actual mental health issues that people can experience during menopause. But it is to remind you that what you are feeling is not solely in your head. You have every right and every reason to be an advocate for your own health. When you think about what these impacts are when you talk about menopause, whether it's hot flashes, night sweats, your skin changing texture, joint pain, muscle fatigue, insomnia, weight gain, brain fog. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. You can have food allergies and burning gums and tingling extremities. I mean, these are things that taken one at a time can be explained away. And so we spend a lot of time dismissing our own symptoms because we were like, oh, I'm feeling anxious today because instead of recognizing from a 10,000 foot view that all of these symptoms together, when you connect the dots, explain the perimenopause experience and the menopause experience. And, you know, there's premenopause before there's peri. And in premenopause, you may just start to see a decrease in something like progesterone where your mood starts to change. You may have a shorter fuse, right? That may, you may still be getting your period and not think, well, you know, I'm not in menopause. I still get my period. I see a lot of women get very defensive with me when I'm like, look, if you're in your forties, you're probably starting to experience some kind of menopausal issue, hormonal issue. And I get a lot of women who are very defensive. What I found so reassuring is that these products do exist. Like obviously slap some moisturizer on it is not a solution to a lot of problems. But when there is a problem that does feel addressed by the right moisturizer, the right shampoo, whatever, that's just great. You can go about your day, you can get the thing you need, and you're the one that has the agency over that difficulty or bothersome symptom, whatever it is. We started with skincare for a reason. Um, You know, it is the first thing that people will talk about when they start to talk about changing, right? One of the first things they see is what they see, a difference in the texture of their skin or their skin doesn't feel as plump as it was before. So for us, it's not just about being a moisturizer or a beauty product. It is about being something that is targeted towards what you look and feel like in menopause. So we started there, but I have no intention of staying there. I really believe that we need a menopause ecosystem in terms of what it means to shop for products that target these issues and that are meant for this audience. Yeah. So tell us more about what they are. You have much younger women who are dealing with surgical or maybe medical menopause, medical menopause being something like breast cancer or surgical menopause, having a radical hysterectomy or having your ovaries removed. Um, And then there's, you know, the gender non-binary community where your identity flies in the face of what is happening to you physiologically. And I think all of these things, particularly 
when you're talking about something like surgical or medical, you've already had a physical trauma and then nobody is there to tell you that these symptoms may happen to you after the fact. I mean, your oncologist isn't there to help you through breast cancer other than, you know, helping you cure your cancer. But there are all these other ancillary issues that come along with it. And that's where we want to be helpful as much as we want to be helpful to somebody who's concerned about cystic acne or their skin getting super dry or needing cooling products for hot flashes or night sweats. We want to target the symptoms because how you get to the symptoms is less important to me than knowing that you have something to reach for to at least ease some of the discomfort around these symptoms. And certainly, we're just getting started as a company. I mean, there are 34 common symptoms of menopause. We don't claim to be able to solve everything, but that is my goal, is to be able to go down the checklist of those symptoms and find something for you that is a rapid relief solution. What have you been hearing from your community so far? I would say that in terms of what's working for us, absolutely our bestsellers are the cooling spray for hot flashes, the cooling facial gel moisturizer, which is in sort of texture, much less heavy than a cream, but provides the same amount of moisture. It's just that if you suffer from cystic acne or if you're having issues where creams are too heavy for your skin, these are great alternative options. And then we have a super rich body moisturizer that absorbs completely into the skin immediately. So not only does it work for drying skin that is losing collagen as we lose estrogen, it also absorbs so quickly so you don't feel sticky. And then, you know, we're really talking a lot about joint pain and muscle fatigue. Both things can happen at the start of pre or perimenopause that you may not notice as anything other than you're working out a little bit harder or something like that. There are so many other issues in menopause that need to be addressed, but this was the corner of the market where we felt we could make the quickest impact. You could see results the fastest and that you could feel that sense of ease and comfort the fastest. So I, I remember the moment in your life where you first got brought into this brand was a dark and difficult time. You had lost your father. You were trying to figure out what your next move would be career-wise. You were having all this pain and all this anxiety and feeling ill. And then you found this brand. And here we are now. So how are you feeling now? Are you feeling well? Yes, I, I am feeling much and much better. But like the, the thing about menopause is that it really is a different experience for everybody. You're not just bringing your genetics to this. You're bringing your life experience to this. In my case, I had both spine surgery, which was physical trauma, and the loss of my father, which was certainly emotional trauma for me, both of which I think really impacted my menopause experience. And you know, also, look, there is a lot of pain around the idea that the industry that you found yourself in for the longest amount of time somehow doesn't suit you anymore. And I have been very, very lucky in the sense that I was able to make this pivot. And that doesn't mean necessarily that I wouldn't go back to television if it was the right set of circumstances. But what it means is I had enough agency and thankfully, truly enough privilege to be able to do this and to make this pivot in a way that made me feel comfortable that I was still serving the needs of a community. The idea that I have been in the style industry for the last, you know, almost 30 years, it can be difficult for people to see me in a different way. And that's a perception that I want to change as well. You know, the idea that 
there is a real through line for me in everything that I do may not be readily apparent to other people. And I get a lot of messages like, bring back what not to wear, or I want to see you on television. But, you know, again, I am not asking for permission to make this pivot. I think that just by trying to do this, it, it paves the way for other people to feel that they have permission to do it too. And I feel most strongly that we are telling that to generations that are younger than us, because you're going to get here eventually. That's the joy of aging. We have to really change this conversation so that younger people aren't like, it's never going to happen to me because I was that person. I thought menopause was optional. I thought it happened to other people. Welcome back to Ladies First with Laura Brown. This week, Laura Brown is away. I'm InStyle.com Deputy Editor Laura Norkin, and I'm chatting with Stacey London about life after what not to wear. So when we spoke, it was right after your birthday in late May and right before my birthday in early June. And we were like, oh, we're both Geminis. So to me, to go from TV personality and stylist to CEO makes perfect sense because you're just both of those things already all the time. I mean, in some ways, you're absolutely right. In other ways, learning to be a CEO is a day-by-day experience. You know, I'm a newbie at this, and I learn so much as I go. I'm very lucky to have an incredible team, incredible advisors, and also just the conviction that what I am doing is the right thing to be doing. For the fans who are like looking for the what not to wear Stacey, the stylist Stacey, how does that part of you show up? in your current life now? Do you still have this styling itch where you might give friends and family pointers or see someone going down the street and say like, ooh, I wish she were in a wider jean? I can't promise that will go away. The Stacey who is on What Not to Wear is still here. I am still the same person. But I do think that with age, my interest has been, it's waned in terms of style. I feel that we have just changed as a society. We have really transformed since What Not to Wear started. And it's less about experts telling you what you should do, and certainly much more about personal style telling you what you can do. You being able to give yourself permission to dress the way that you want and what makes you feel your best. I would say I'm, I'm still Stacey from What Not to Wear in the sense that I will tell you if something doesn't look great, but I'll only tell you that with an alternative. That's what makes it constructive criticism and not just bitchy. With age comes wisdom. And I am not convinced that we are solely talking about style anymore. We're talking about capital life, lowercase style. And that means starting to think about health and wellness as much as you think about what you're wearing. And so I really do see this as a very easy extension. I would like to think that What Not to Wear was a pretty revolutionary show for what we were able to do. And I'd like to think that this company can do the same thing as well. We got the conversation started about how people could really control the narrative of of their own story by the way they presented themselves in the world. And in this case, I want you to be able to manage and control the narrative of your own health and wellness experience. So you've got state of menopause right now. You've mentioned pregnancy a few times. Are there other states coming soon? Honestly, the reason that I wouldn't do that is because this company came out of my existential crisis. It came from my life experience. I chose not to have children. 
And that doesn't mean that I don't have empathy and want to understand the issues of pregnancy and infertility and postpartum and all of those things. But that's not what this company was created for. This company was created for menopausal symptoms. I would say that you will see more and more states within the state of menopause. You know, it's very easy to say there's a lot of skincare out there. In fact, there's a lot of skincare that says anti-aging, which I could not be more against. But that's different than what we're trying to do here. I mean, how can you be against something that is completely inevitable, right? I mean, it it literally makes no sense to me. It's like saying you're like anti-food. I mean, it just, it's like, well, you have to eat it if you want to stay alive. I feel like I have a lot of friends, older and younger, who all romanticize the idea of, you know, being old and holding hands on a bench, but nobody wants to age. Nobody wants to go through what that transformation actually looks like. And for me, this is the opportunity to think about aging in a very different way. And, you know, we can live well into our 80s and 90s now. That means that you have a lot of time in the middle. We have so many different iterations of our life. And menopause is just another way to remind us that we're moving into the next iteration. I don't want to sugarcoat this and be like, we've got you and you've got this and go girl, because it can be fucking hard. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this, but it can be really fucking hard. So speaking of moving on to the next phase of life, we usually end every episode of the podcast with a little lightning round fun game called 10 first. Are you down? Let's go for it. What's your first drink order? Oh, very cold, very dry. Uh, Vodka martini with extra olives. Classy. I mean, you know, I try. (laughs) First thing you do when you wake up. I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I look at my phone and I read the news. I try and get it out of the way as early as possible because sometimes, as you know, we've seen lately, the world is in a difficult place and it's very painful. I like to know what's going on and be informed. I just like to get that out of the way. I know picking up your phone first thing really is not the way to behave. It's not good for our mental state, but for me, it it, it just informs my day. It's a very common answer to that question. And everybody also kind of layers on the like, I know this is horrible, but... Well, Laura, you know, I I don't want to be common. So now I'm devastated by my answer. No, but the, anyway, news, go ahead. the news is not common though. Most people are like Instagram, texting. I try to stay away from social media, at least the first part of the day. I am just as susceptible as anybody else to scrolling endlessly. The one thing I will say that is so great about being a CEO is I just don't have time for that shit. I can only look at so many things and everybody's in Italy or everybody's in Greece or whatever everybody's doing. I'm happy for all of you, but you know, I just don't have time. What's the first CEO thing you do? It depends on the day. Usually I start my Mondays with our team meeting, um, which is always sort of the most important thing. All of the people who are working on this company will send me reports of our sales or our socials or all of the stats that I need to review on Sunday night. And then I go over them and that's first thing Monday morning. Sometimes it's walking Dora. Sometimes it's getting my matcha latte. Sometimes it's getting on the call, you know, with potential investors or it's talking to my lawyer. I mean, it it really is endless. For the rest of my life, I could run this company and never learn everything there is to know. So the next 10 first is the first person you call. I want to say it's usually somebody from my team, but that's because my girlfriend is sitting next to me. So if I'm, I'm not calling her, I'm just like, you know, like poking her, like, can we go get coffee? Calling her from the next room. Exactly. (laughs) Well, calling her from the other side of the bed and being like, yo, is it time to go get coffee? (laughs) That's an important first call. What's the first joke you remember? 
My dad was amazing at telling jokes. He would go on and on and on and on. And, and I, he would make them up himself. And honestly, I cannot remember a single one of them right now. This is the brain fog. But I also just can't think of a joke. I can't think of one either. See? This will be a fun one for you. What was your first fashion splurge and your most recent fashion splurge? It was a pair of patent leather round toe stack heel Prada boots. And I bought them at Barney's when I was an assistant at Vogue. It was like a, a, my, a month of salary. And I was like determined to eat baby peas out of a can for the rest of that month. I didn't care. It was the most empowering, most wonderful purchase. Even opening the box, even having the bag that the boots went in, even just to polish them up. I mean, everything about it felt magnificent to me. It felt so special and so empowering. I kept them in tissue paper for the longest time. I must have had those for years before I finally thought, yeah, okay, it's, it's time for a new pair. Do you remember a specific place where you wore them or an outfit you wore them with? To work. The first thing I learned in fashion is that if you have a new shiny anything, new shoes, new outfit, you wear it as soon as possible so everybody knows you had it first. That's great. I usually am so excited to wear things as soon as I get it. And then I feel kind of nerdy about it. Like no. other people might be more cool and keep it in tissue until the perfect moment. Well, I agree with that because I don't know what the perfect moment is. And we buy things so that they bring us joy. And the idea of keeping something like shoes in a box makes no sense to me. Why would you hide them when the whole point was to wear them? Do you have a most recent fashion splurge that you're excited about? No, I don't. You know, I don't spend a lot of time shopping for clothes. Uh, I, I just don't have that kind of time right now. And also that's just not my focus. I would rather put money into paid subscription to medical journals that are talking about menopause. But I did just get a pair of super dope black gladiator sandals that I love that are so comfortable. And to be honest with you, since uh, our year of lockdown, I've had a lot of trouble wearing heels. So any flat sandal that looks really chic has been like on the top of my list right now. What's the brand of the sandal? Uh, I don't know, but I got them at Free People, which by the way, is like also a brand that I totally love for like groovy looking clothes that are not expensive. There you go. Okay. First time you owned your shit. I mean, that is such a multi-level conversation. I'm going to say the first time I owned my shit was that I was probably around five or six and I stole a lip gloss from the drugstore and I got caught. And I had to admit to my mom that I took it. It was a metallic bronze lip gloss in a pot. I don't remember the brand. I just remember that I stole it from a K drugstore on 6th Avenue and 8th Street and uh, or West 4th Street or something. It was Greenwich Village. My mom was like, did you take it? And I had to admit that, in fact, I did, even though it was the most unflattering color in the world on me. Well, at five or six, you probably just were like, glitter, yay. I mean, absolutely. I've been a Sparkle fan my whole life. What is the first thing you do or eat if you're stressed out? Oh, gluten-free double stuff Oreos. I just went through a bag last week. I just can't get enough of it, especially when they're in the refrigerator. Ooh, hot tip. Yeah, hot tip. Make them cold. Oreos were my uh, pregnancy snack last year when I was pregnant, also in pandemic, and I was just going through bags of them at all times. Unfortunately, I'm not pregnant and <laughs> I don't have any excuse for eating an entire bag of gluten-free double step Oreos, but there we are. One never needs an excuse for cookies. Not for Oreos anyway. What is the first thing you turn on on TV? 
Oh God, we were watching White Lotus. I'm obsessed with hacks. I have to say my girlfriend and I really did watch the entire internet. So now we're into like French, Italian, Norwegian, and Icelandic murder mysteries. Anybody who needs a re- recommendation, just give me a call. There's nothing I haven't seen. <laughs> I've been saying that too, that we literally have watched all of the TV. Like just all of it. We used it all up. Your first date. Tell us about it. I didn't really have my first date date until I was in high school. And I remember it was kind of a big deal because he went to another school and he was slightly older than me. We went to neighboring schools and we met in the coffee shop in between. And he slid me a napkin saying, my name is Tony. Here is my number. Can I take you out? And took me out to dinner. I can't even remember where we went. Some like burger joint, but it was like the most romantic way to ask somebody out. It, it When I was, I don't know, 15 or 16, I was eating a corn muffin with butter. That's what I remember. And then the date was great. We, we dated for a while until I got bored, which happened a lot when I was young. Gemini things. Gemini, got to keep us entertained. Do you remember what you wore on that date? Not even a clue, but I can tell you that I used to dress like Robert Smith from The Cure. So I had white pancake face makeup, bright red lipstick. My hair was really short, buzz cut in the back, really froofy in the front. Chances are I was wearing some kind of crinoline skirt and some kind of oversized men's coat. I love it. Okay, so we're at the end. What's the first thing you'll do when it feels like this COVID pandemic has really ended? Obviously, it would be to travel. But the other thing, just professionally, is that I want to start doing in-person summits. I want people who are responding to the idea of talking about the menopause experience in general. I want to bring us together in person. I'm so tired of talking to somebody on a screen. I'll be there. Great. Because, you know, there really is something in the power of sharing and in speaking the same language as others. And that's probably actually what I would even put ahead of travel. Excellent. Well, it wasn't the first and I hope it is not the last. It's been so nice talking to you today, Stacey. To you too, Laura. It's so great to see you. Thanks for joining me and Stacey London. Join us next week when Laura Brown will be back to hang out with the marvelous Miranda Kerr. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And we love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review and make me feel loved, that'd be great. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Andy Bosnett. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrand99. 